But let me go on and, and get started. I know outside, you know, we had were, you know, Hope and, and Eastern Europe, and, and we are going to talk about that a little bit, and we'll probably at that point get Ken and, and Mike to weigh in because we were all together on a mission trip to Eastern Europe. But after I heard the guys this morning, I was like, they're from Moldova. They should be here speaking about mm -hmm. Eastern Europe. But um, anyway, let me open us in a word of prayer. Holy Father, thank you uh, for the way that we have already been blessed to hear the stories and the testimonies of how you're at work in the hearts of men and women all around the world. Lord, just help us in, to be open, to receive and be blessed by these stories and, and to be encouraged, Father, that even in the midst of, of so many things that we hear in the media that would bring us despair, Father, that we can be encouraged and that we ourselves can be hopeful um, because we know the God of creation is working His way into this world, bringing love. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, I wanted to just spend a little bit of time sort of pushing the reset button on ICM a little bit because I didn't speak about it all that much last night. Um, but just to kind of go back and reinforce what I alluded to last night, that ICM was founded by my dad about 30 years ago. He was a businessman who at the age of 65 um, began just asking the questions, you know, success to significance. You know, how do I take the resources God has entrusted to me, which he has done that in every single one of us. He's entrusted us with something, I mean, gifts, financial resources, relationships. You know, he's entrusted us with things, that we are stewards of those things. And so my dad was asking that question about the financial resources and the talents that he had given him as a businessman and began saying, how can I take the things that God has shown me in the business world and apply them to the ministry of bringing the gospel around the world? And so one of the, the things that God used at the time was my father sitting at the feet of a Bible teacher named Pastor Dick Woodward, who later was to become a bedfast quadriplegic. But from his bed, from his hospital bed in his living room, he used a voice-activated computer to continue to write Bible study material. Right now we have that four-year curriculum translated into 40 languages that we distribute all over the world. We distribute it using traditional radio, internet radio, free on the web, um, iPhone apps, Droid apps, SD cards, all kinds of things. And any of you all seen players like this? Some of y'all have. These are one of the ways that we distribute, just one of them. And we have distributed thousands of these loaded in different languages to the partner with whom we work. These have a solar panel on them. So even in a village in Africa, if they don't have electricity, it doesn't matter. If they can't read or write, it doesn't matter because they can hear the audio teaching of the Bible. And I would encourage you, it's one of my favorite Bible study materials. I know for Mike, he listens to it all the time, but it's minibiblecollege.org. You can get it on your own smartphone. This particular player is loaded in Hindi. Ke kamo ka 
So this will hold the Bible in Hindi and the four years of Bible study curriculum that they can hear the teaching of God's Word. Technology is an incredible resource for the distribution of the gospel in our world today. That is a huge advantage in our world that wasn't available decades ago. So this was one of the things that, that became um, a driver behind International Cooperating Ministries. We, just to reinforce what I said, and we'll be looking at a video in a minute, everything that we do is done through the identification of a strong, in-country, indigenous ministry. We don't have any paid staff overseas. So we're all about coming alongside and equipping the nationals to do the work. But I wanted to just show real quickly a film that we call How We Do It. Because one of the things about ICM, when we uh, kind of took the business principles that my father had learned in business, all about, he was a car dealer. Car, they work on a 1% margin. So everything is about how do you leverage cash? How do you leverage and multiply resources? And so those principles are thread throughout ICM because as I said, we don't have any paid staff overseas, but we keep on average about 700 churches under construction all the time. But it's through equipping the nationals to do that. So let's watch this video just a minute to help you understand a little more. Do you want to reach the world for Christ? We do too. We fund the construction of churches in developing nations and distribute practical Bible study materials in multiple languages. We find ministry leaders in developing nations who want to reach their own countries for Christ. Those ministry leaders identify congregations in need of a church building who own the land and have permission to build. The congregation provides the labor, our partner sends us construction photos, and we send funds. 100% of your gift towards a project goes to the field. The congregation dedicates their church and forms Bible study groups. They reach out to others in their community and plant five daughter congregations in neighboring villages over the next three years. They send us reports and share their testimonies. But the story doesn't end there. So the one church funded becomes five, becomes 25. In time, blankets a nation with churches that will meet spiritual needs. vocational training and medical care, care for orphans and educate, protect children from gangs and human trafficking, empower generations to meet the needs of those around them through the power of Christ.
Well, that tells you a little bit about the things we focus on. Distributing Bible study materials in their language and then helping give the funds for them to build churches, orphanages, schools, and training centers that will help them advance their vision for reaching their nations. So equipping the nationals to do what they long to do anyway. They just lack the resources to do it. Uh, the next video I want you to, to see because the understanding of ICM's working with partners is so critical to understanding the model of our ministry because that's different from the way we view traditional missions. Um, and our identification right now, we work with 187 ministry leaders scattered in 80 countries, 81 countries. We just started in South Sudan. And it's really those leaders that oversee everything that happens within their countries respective to ICM. But I want us to look at this video because it just gives you a little bit of glimpses of some of those different partners. But I want to highlight one of them because we, we are going to eventually get to Eastern Europe, I promise. Um, but one of the, the young ladies in this video, and it was actually a little clip I did on my phone when I was there with these guys. And you remember meeting Bieta. And she works um, as one of the translators and one of the administrators for Bible Mission International, um, which is the partner that we work with to accomplish the work we do in, in Eastern Europe, former Soviet Union. But um, Bieta had grown up herself in communist East Germany, but God gifted her with the ability to learn languages. And, and she came to Christ kicking and screaming when she was a resistant college student and has sold out for Christ now and working with this ministry. But you'll hear her talk specifically, and we'll be sharing a bit more about that, about hope centers that we are building in former Soviet Union. And just so you understand that a little bit more, the hope center is always connected to a church building or to a congregation because ICM doesn't stay on site, we don't oversee ministry, we are not doing any long-term engagement on the ground. That's their responsibility to do their ministry. And so these are churches that are reaching out to care for the kids. They were already doing that, they just lack the facilities to do it. So we'll watch this one now. Just by an ordained meeting, if I can say it like that, we met ICM. And it was so wonderful to meet people who also share this vision that a church building does have value and does add value. That it was a match made in heaven for us, to speak so frankly. To see that there's people who really, really support us in this way. And we've really enjoyed the partnership, changing the way we think, the way we operate, it's been growing up our, our vision. And in the words of a, of a black man that I met from Benin, he said, Kola, remember this, a building preaches. If it's standing there, it's saying something. And that day I realized, if a church is in a shack church that is uh, built with old, pieces of corrugated iron and plastic, and we preach a God of provision. 
in that building. And that building is preaching something. But if we put up a beautiful, nice, and functional structure that looks like a church, then that church also preaches something. And we say thank you. And we want to thank you for this audio device. We have been using this audio device in our church. In my church, and other churches are also using, I'm using nine, this kind of device in my church, and nine of our leaders are using it uh, to uh, lead people in cell groups. So because of this device, because of its teaching, so I'm uh, somewhat, I'm released, I'm free. So do other things, my leaders are, you know, taking responsibility to teach new believers and helping them to grow in the Lord. We once again want to thank you for this ministry and this help. God bless you. And one day, uh, someone reported them to the local authorities and said, you need to go there and check on the Christians what they do with these kids there because you don't know what reason they are gathering the kids there for, so make sure you check on them. And the local authorities, of course, became suspicious and came to that place to do their research. And when the mothers of the kids attending the Hope Center, Hope Center heard about that, they all gathered as a crowd and came to that meeting to meet the authorities. Now to give you some background, I've told you that these kids attending the Hope Center come from difficult family situations. So many of the mothers are drug addicts or alcoholics. They don't even care for their kids. But these mothers came to that very meeting and said to the authorities, what are you doing here? Don't you see that the Christians feed our kids? Our kids are clean, they do their homeworks, they uh, change their behavior, they read the Bible. This is a good thing for them to do. We know they are safe here and they have a nice place to be, so don't you dare closing Hope Center down. And that was such a tremendous testimony to me to just see what an impact the ministry of the Hope Center has to the local community, to people who don't know the Lord, to mothers like these who don't care for their kids and who need the Lord so desperately in their lives. So I just wanted to share this testimony with you, make sure that you have heard it. <laughs> Thank you. A man cannot receive any counsel, any advice from his wife. She is an object, not a human being. This is my culture. And out of this teaching, today, I see our leaders consider the wives as human beings. They can ask questions, and what she said can be considered by the man. And a man can eat and say thank you to my wife, to his wife. It's, it's a great change, great impact. A man who could not speak about the word of God in his family, who could not know that his family was the first church was to lead. Today, in the families, we have people, men, I don't talk about leaders, men in the church that are sitting with the wives and children in the evening. The wife will start a song, he will share a word, and they will pray together. That, that is just something great for me, knowing where I come from. Planning a church is, has become the most powerful tool we have to win souls to Christ. Not only win them to Christ, but to give them an environment where we can disciple them.
You know, we've heard people talk about the brick and mortar ministry and how we got to reach people. Well, I'll tell you, bricks and mortar reach people. So we've seen this duplicated over and over and over. Planting a church, getting that building there, training up a young minister to step in and, and begin to lead that flock. And it's just one of the most powerful methods of evangelizing here in Southeast Asia that I've ever seen. So my stamp of approval is upon it, and much more than that, I believe God's stamp of approval is on church planting, church building, and we are just so honored to partner with ICM in their church planting, church construction projects around the world. Multitudes are coming to Christ through this powerful ministry. Thank you. God bless you. So what do you cut? These wonderful tools of mini Bible college, which is provided with this great ministry of international cooperating ministry, will indeed empower our people to further propel the momentum in winning Tanzania for Jesus and also in conserving the harvest as we assimilate new members in our fellowship. I want to take this opportunity to greatly thank you, our partners and our donors, for your support in making this training here in Tanzania possible. May God of heaven bless you immensely for his glory and for the expansion of his kingdom. Well, and the apps will pass around maybe, Mike? Yeah. Um, just to tell you about Tanzania, we have almost 500 churches that through ICM's donors have been built there. And the one last year we distributed 1,000 of these loaded with Swahili into Tanzania. This year, another 1,700 of these going into the churches and equipping the church planters in Tanzania. So we have an integrated strategy to do that, and that is part of what we have done in the former Soviet Union as well. So let me just pull up the PowerPoint, and we'll share a little bit about what you actually came to listen to. <laughs> we started working in Eastern Europe, um, really about did a few projects there back as far as 1995. But you know, there is so often in everything we do in ministry, it's waiting for God's perfect timing when you're gonna have a window to accelerate what you're doing. Well, we started working in a far more concentrated way when God connected us with our partner there, I've already mentioned, the Bible Mission International. And what was interesting about the partner there, and I think Paul Hagelgon has spoken here at the church. Any of y'all remember hearing Paul speak? And he is based in Germany. And one of the things that has helped with the church construction side of what we're doing in the former Soviet Union is the fact that they have engineer construction volunteers that come from Germany in the summers and will help erect to the exterior of the buildings. And then the congregations can finish out the interior at, even as the weather, weather turns bad. But if we'll go on, uh, basically what I said last night when I spoke is each red dot showing you a building that actually stands 
in the former Soviet Union that was built in partnership with ICM's donors and ICM and our partner. And the next slide will just show you quickly some of the stats that we have 212 church projects already finished. And many of those have the Hope Centers. You can see 37 church Hope Centers that are doing ministry to children as an additional building attached to the church. And many Bible college we have translated into Ukrainian, Russian, and Moldovan. But what I get so excited about is the um, ability of our partners to take the resource and then expand it so far beyond what maybe we are funding or what we are suggesting that they do. And we discovered when we went to Moldova that one of the leaders of the work in Moldova now had worked with a Christian radio station and introduced them to Mini Bible College and they're doing a broadcast of it on the radio in, Mal in Moldova. And we aren't paying for it. We didn't know that was happening, but we were blessed to hear that it was. And so you can see all the countries where ICM is working um, that work, are considered part of Eastern Europe. Uh, God has just expanded and blessed the opportunity. We can't speak publicly about a lot of the work that we might be doing in Central Asia for obvious reasons. Um, but here you see an example of the type of church that we would be putting up. The budgets in former Soviet Union are higher than what we would build in places that don't need heating or insulation or windows. So for example, in India, we might build an entire church that looks like this, but it would be more like $8,000 to build the whole church. And there in that country, we'd shoot for $10 or under a square foot, which if you know much about construction in the United States, that's a bargain. Um, but in the former Soviet Union, and particularly as you go into Siberia and other places, you know, it's necessary to, to build a much, you know, sturdier, put in furnaces and windows and things like that. Um, but the one I wanted to just briefly mention, and Ken, I don't know if you've seen this picture yet, but one of the things that we visited with the, the, okay, the SEAL Team 6 that came from Hoffmantown. <laughs> And we got to visit this camp that was in such disrepair, but it had been a camp built for the indoctrination of youth into communism. And isn't it amazing how God takes something meant for evil and turns it into something good? Because there was a farmer slash pastor that bought this facility ran out of resources, and he's also running out of age, I think as well, he looked a little on the older side. But anyway, he approached Ruslam, the BMI partner in Moldova, who brought it to his leader, Paul, who then presented it to our team when we were there. We saw the vision that these believers in Moldova have for the camp today and it is to change the hearts of youth for Christ, not communism. And so we worked out in a, um, a budget for renovating a two-year project for this camp, and this building, when we first saw it, was a one-story um, building in disrepair, and we're gradually renovating the nine different projects on that camp property. So they will be able to take the children from the Hope Centers and bring them here in the summers 
so that they can have a camp experience. They'll also be bringing youth in for weekends, and they talked about in other months bringing some of the older folks that have no resources whatsoever to have any kind of vacation or any kind of break and be able to bring them to this pastoral setting. And so anyway, this is, is the camp in Moldova. But here we'll just go through some of the pictures. These are some of the interior of the Hope Centers. These are some of the kids being cared for. And I think what is so significant in the former Soviet Union, after the fall of communism, so many people that were living in the countries that were providing produce, they were you know, kind of agricultural societies, growing the food that would then be bought and, and transferred into Russia. Anyway, there has been such a, 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 de, a decline of the economy and the decline of resources. And so many of these countries, people of working age are leaving children behind and going elsewhere to find work. And so babushkas, the grandmothers, are trying to raise these kids. It broke my heart when I saw the conditions of these elderly, people in poor health trying to raise these children. And they're doing it without resources at all. And so the church and these hope centers are coming alongside and helping them to raise these kids. Alcoholism is a horrible, horrible problem in these places. So anyway, here you see some of the kids that are being ministered to in the Hope Centers. We can keep moving a couple more pictures. This is one of the churches that um, has been built by ICM through donor funds, and they have a Hope Center in the back. And in a minute, if we have time, we'll see a clip, but I don't think we're gonna have time. Anyway, the kids in one of the other churches we've been, and I bet you are, there, I see Ken, up in there in the back, on the, next to the last row yeah the seal team six you can see that well anyway they were standing up there but this is one of the babushkas um, that we were visiting with and the tears just streamed down her cheeks as she you know uh, tried to communicate the difficulty she is having trying to raise her grandkids with nothing and we were able on this trip to take food from the churches and the Hope Centers to those grandmothers. And we were able to, in this one instance, we went down a dirt, and this is when the men were behind actually working on the construction of one of the Hope Centers. And they took the women on the team to go visit uh, some of the homes, to take them food, to encourage these mothers, these single moms, to um, take advantage of sending their kids to the Hope Centers. But this particular one, I remember walking in, and you know, I think my nursing kind of background kicked in a little bit because you know, when you see the struggle of a mother dealing with a child with a significant disability, even under the very best of circumstances, is such a horrible challenge. In our, you know, in the United States, you can get social services, insurance, and disability, that you get support system for dealing with some of that. But this little boy had cerebral palsy. When we walked in, the stench of urine just permeated the room. 
And at the time we walked in, he was laying there naked. This was midday. She was in her bathrobe laying in this urine-soaked pallet with him. And that is her life. That is her life. Trying to eke out caring for her son with nothing. And to see the church step in and help care for and provide and give them food and support. That is when you see the church fulfilling what Christ intended that it would to be the hands and feet of Christ. You know, that Christ with skin on to a hurting world. So when I think, you know, here I sit in Virginia, you know, in my comfortable home, but I know because God is connecting us through the ministry to needs like this, you know, I know that God is allowing me to be a part of what he is doing to bring Christ's love around the world. This was an incredible experience for me personally, but I wanted to just close, and then I imagine they'll probably be encouraging us to, to shift around, but we, if, if we have time for questions, we'll, we'll do that until they tell us we need to, to shift around. But I want to just close with showing a clip from Paul that if you've heard him speak already, um, but the one picture I showed of that real pretty kind of beige church with the red roof. Well, this is behind that church where because they had done... Go on. No, 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 no. No, I just say because, because of the work that the government saw this church doing, they gave them extra land. So he'll be talking some about that. My name is Paul Hagegas, and we are one of the partners of ICM, and we stay in this special place. And I like to tell you a very short but very powerful story. In 2008, 2009, when first time we came here, it was a lot of children and small old building and nothing more. And vision and desire of the small church uh, just do something for children who really without parents, yes, living parents, but orphans without parents. It was a lot of children here. And this church shared their vision with us. And ICM did help us through different donors to fix this old building and make this hope center. And on the back side of this old building, yeah, they did build new one, a uh, church building. And right now, started this small, they're working with children in regular ways, daily, feeding them and allow them to do homework, uh, to take care about them. And then from this hope center, they're doing a lot of family care uh, <coughs> programs uh, each day, each week, each month, they're going and take care of children in homes. And then they organize camps for children during the summer and during the winter time, special programs. And behind me, it was free garbage land. And they did clean everything and put trees, very beautiful trees. And then when government came and saw this, how they did use this beautiful land, they give additional land from right side and from left side. And during the one year, between 350 and to 500 each year, this church, because of Hope Center, take care of children, not only in this village, but villages around. And I like to tell you, this life-changing experience of children uh, who experience love and care 
it's never will fall apart because it is a really living hope. It is not just hope center. They give them hope for future and for life. Thank you very much. I think that was very appropriate that he ended up there giving them hope for life based on the theme we have this weekend. So that's kind of just hitting an overview of, of ICM and what we're doing, what God has allowed us to do with the partnerships that we have, which is accelerating the expansion of the gospel into the places where we work. So any questions? Anything to... Mm -hmm. Any trouble getting money into these countries? I've talked to some other missionary organizations, and they said, "Yeah, we, you know, the government likes to set up a lot of blockage and things." Do you have any mm -hmm. trouble with that? Well, I think one of the the beauties, uh, one of the the benefits of the way ICM works, and this is, you know, when I, I really think about how God used my father to build this ministry, because we are really a silent partner. We work, you know, it's the indigenous ministry that is getting the deed, that is doing all the work, that is their project. ICM, a Western ministry, is not written on the buildings at all. And that has allowed us to work in communist countries, allowed us to work in places where it would be impossible for a Western ministry to have a presence there. Um, we do you know expect our partners to do everything um, in the through the proper government channels if they have to get building permits they have to do that we get copies of all the deeds at our office when they send in an application we want to see the deed we want to know you know everything is above board um, and there's really only a couple instances where we have to get money in in a, in a different way than other through just wiring it to a bank. Um, and I'd rather not say which ones because I know this is going to be public. Um, but in most instances, it's all being done, you know, above board because the money is being received, you know, by an in-country ministry. Can I give you yeah. a comment? Mm -hmm. So, and this is, this is a, this having just come to the ministry really struck me, but there was a situation in Cuba where the ministry was, was building churches in Cuba. And they had built about 150, mm -hmm. is that correct? About 150 With one churches. Mm -hmm. And then the embargo With in one the partner. 90s. And Curtis, it, it was, we, we actually built 230 churches in Cuba. Okay. With, with that okay. one partner you're discussing, it was about 130 with that one partner. Right, right. Mm -hmm. so, so then the US government said, no, no more funds to Cuba. You, we won't allow that. I don't know if you guys, who was here with Wayne, uh, when Wayne was here, but one of the things he always said was, what God initiates, or what man initiates, man has to sustain. But what God initiates, God will sustain. And so ICM was essentially closed out of Cuba at that time. And a few months back, um, uh, the ministry received a DVD from the partner in Cuba. And I saw that DVD, and it began to outline the churches in Cuba, across Cuba, not 130, which is when, when mm. the ministry left, but now they had built and planted over 400 churches mm. across Cuba. And, and to me, that 
you know, given my relationship with Wayne, and, and, and I just said, you know, there's a great example of, of God initiating a strategy of, of really church planting. And sometimes we think of ICM as just a church building. But when that church says, we're going to plant five more daughter churches over the next three years and sort of pay that forward, and mm -hmm. then we're going to start Bible studies, and then those Bible studies will become churches, and you see it actually happening. And you see that in Tanzania um, and in some of the countries right now that are uh, effectively blanketed with churches. Mm -hmm. And it's not, it's not just building, but it's the, it's the living church that continues to then produce all of the things that we, we, you know, the James chapter one, verse 27 things, the coming to the aid of uh, widows and orphans in their distress, this is true and undefiled religion, that flows from the church, not from ICM. ICM is that, it, it's, you know, sort of the old teach a man to fish versus giving the fish. And then once you've taught them, and then you pull yeah. out the cue and you see that multiplication continue and happen. For me, that was a, that was a really big mm -hmm. thing to say, uh, I'm on board with, with what I see this doing. So. Well, we like, we're, we're always trying to work ourselves out of, out of a job. <laughs> you know, we, we are not into any self-sustaining. We're just coming along to equip them to sustain and grow and multiply. So we look and we work in developing countries. We work with people have vision for reaching their nations. They just lack what North American church has in abundance, resources. And if we can bring that to the table, you know, and we're working in places where the church is growing so fast, it's mind boggling. You know, we see global missions from a very distorted North American lens. You know, where if we can plant a church every five years, ha, we've done well. You know, they, they blow it out of the water when it comes to church planting. They are on, so passionate about evangelism. And I, I just consider it an honor if we can come alongside them in any way, shape, or form and help accelerate their vision for reaching their nation and help equip their church planters and their evangelists to do it more quickly. So that's why we're, we're, like I said, always trying to work ourselves out of a job. You know, we come in and help seed and sow and build into a ministry. And we have a goal for church building in every country of a church every 25 miles that we build. And then they plant all the Georgia churches around that. And then we're on to the next country. So that's our, our vision. Well, Thank you all for being, I, mean, I know it's already 11 o'clock, and so I don't know, <laughs> you know, we're already well over, but I, I don't know. If but if anybody had, has any other questions, please don't, don't be shy about asking.